You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have a great program today. We're going to be chatting with the folks over at Intel. Uh, their original processor, John, is 50 years old. Do you feel old? Yes, I do feel old. <laughs> it was the Intel 404 chip uh, that was used in Japanese calculators. They've come a long way. From there, they got into CPUs. 286s, 386s, Pentiums, and into the i-series of processors now as well. We're joined today, uh, one of our contributors, Stephen Fung, is in studio with us as well to help us out with some segments. You're a big Intel guy. You do a lot of PC builds. Yeah. 50, 50 years, man. That's how long they've been around. I know. I think I think my very first Intel, true Intel, was the one that we bought from a company called CityLink in Vancouver. And we brought home the 386DX. 33 megahertz with the coprocessor. Okay, so my first Intel computer was a 386. Bought it at Campus Computers in oh, Vancouver, remember? Them. Yeah, they had cheap computers, but I could only afford the, the SX. Oh. I eventually one day purchased the math coprocessor to make it, a, I guess, a DX. Ish. Ish, yeah. Ish. It, you know, I bought that math coprocessor. It made no difference <laughs> to what I was doing, like zero. But do you remember, like, you had to have DOS, and then you had to load Windows 3.1 on top. That's it was right. like a hot mess. But it was amazing, right? It was good. And I yep. think a lot of us, too, They we started discovering that, hey, you know, we don't have to run Windows uh, 3.1. We can run OS 2, which was the other hot flavor at the time. IBM's. Yep. Yeah. OS 2. OS 2. Warp? Warp. <laughs> oh, I remember when that came out. I'm... They put so much money in, into that. Do you remember that? Oh, like I, I was working at Doppler Computers in Vancouver. We had stores in Vancouver and Calgary. And the OS2 guys would come in constantly just to indoctrinate us into how OS2 is better than Windows 3.1, which it kind of was. It kind of was yeah. better, but it, there was a lot of install. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. It took forever to install it. And then, yeah. But, you know, and they kept saying, well, everyone's using it. All the bank machines are using it. I'm like, well, I'm not a bank machine. I just want to run it on my, my 386 or my 486 computer. But but you've got that math coprocessor. I had the math yeah. coprocessor. But I got my money's worth out of it. I remember installing, I didn't have a CD on that thing. I think Windows 3.1, how many was like 12 disks or 10 disks? I like think, floppy disks? Yeah. I had to. So you had to start the install and then it would just keep prompting you, insert disk too three, four. It was insane. Yeah. Like, I can't believe we used to do that. We did. And we've come so, so far yet. So what am I trying to say here? We've come so f far. Yes. Somewhere. And Intel, uh, you know, they've got Moore's law. They're doubling um, the speed of computers. Not, no, the speed, the, um, the size. The size yeah. and also the speed and also the number of uh, pro transistors, like transistors, yeah. processing, uh, number of calculations. Uh, Intel is definitely uh, making some changes to you know increase the Moore's law again. They've hired back one of their original um, v, uh, VPs and leaders, uh, Paul Gelsinger. Yeah, uh, he's an engineer, um, and he's going to be hopefully taking the the company in the right direction and pushing off again. And they're also launching GPUs now. We'll also be talking about our our Boxing Day deals that we're looking at and. Uh and so much more. Uh, also in the news uh, this week, guys, uh, speaking of Intel, they're putting unvaccinated employees on unpaid leave. Not a big surprise. I know Google is doing the same thing. A lot of big tech companies are mandating that employees, you know, especially ones that are going into an office or have to be in an office at any time, be vaccinated. 
Yeah, and they used to have er, earlier on. You could just take tests all the time. Yeah. Now that's not an option. No, you got to get the jab. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, well, I, it's the way the world's going. Definitely. Google. They had a uh, an OnHub router. This is one of their first forays into the router world. Uh, they've got some great ones now, the the Nest Mesh Network ones. Mm. Uh, but their OnHub routers uh, partnered with TP-Link and Asus yeah. back in the day. Well, they've put uh, an end of days date on it now. So these things will not work as of 2022 at a certain point. Yeah, they pretty much become lame in December of 2022. Yeah. Uh, so they will not work at all? No, they will work as routers locked the way that they are right now. Okay. So if you want to make any changes, you can't because there's no web interface for it. You have to. And use that's the, the app. only that's the only way. Or oh, you can use the app. You can't use the app. They're taking it out of the app. So there's no way you can change anything. Not really. No. Uh, unless they make some rapid changes between now and then, a lot of people that are on the OnHub system, such as yours truly, yeah. who has five of them, uh, will. You've be got five of them. Five of them. So how do you feel about this? I feel uh, well. You know what? To be perfectly honest, when I purchased them. This was like six years ago. Yeah. Right. I got my money's worth out of them. I feel pretty good about it. But right now, because I have so many devices in my home, they're starting to get slow. And I've been looking for a new system anyway. Yeah. Right. So maybe I'm just the right consumer. So sorry, how old? Six years? About six years. That's pretty old for a router, don't you think? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that you just sort of, you set up and you forget about it. Yeah. Right? It just works and you're happy. Yeah. And it's a mesh system. It runs all the Google up. Like the, the main benefit was that it was a mesh system that ran all of Google's software. The same software that runs in the Google Nest. Yeah. The, the, the previous uh, um, Nest Nest. Uh, yeah. It's so confusing these days. Uh, it's the same software, but they've decided that this is no longer going to be supported moving forward. They have to change their har- uh, hardware platform. So they need to drop this. You're listening to Get Connected. Uh, we're going to take a break. Don't forget to enter our contest. We're giving away over $1,000 of Philips Hue Smart Lighting. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, to get all the details and find extra ways to enter as well. Back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. I'm excited about this next segment, John. You, we're computer nerds. We are. Uh, one of the biggest tech companies out there has to be Intel. Like They're like kind of the grandfather of computing as far as processors. And I didn't realize this, but uh, the first chip from Intel uh, is the 4004, 4004 chip. It's 50 years old. Do you feel old? I do. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> we have a great guest. His name is uh, uh, Marcelo Bertolami. He is the general manager of Americas uh, over at Intel. Thanks for joining us, Marcelo. Oh, thank you for having me. So I... <laughs> I'm still blown away that the first Intel chip is 50 years old. Like, you guys have come a long way. Yeah, it's awesome. Actually, <clears throat> Intel has 52, no? It was uh, actually, uh, or 53 almost. And in three years, when, when we started, we, we built the first uh, microprocessor. That was uh, the 4004. And, and we built that in order to, 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 to make this uh, very specific and, and easy to program for a calculator. The first thing was a calculator, not a computer, but it was for a Japanese company. And uh, we decided to put 2,300 transistors in one in one plate of uh, silicon. And we, be, we built that 4,004. How many transistors again? 2,300. And how many 2, are in the- 2,300. Yeah, how many are in the latest chip? How many chip? do we have right now in the same space? We have 500 billion. 
Yeah, you guys have done well. <laughs> and yeah, the shrinking things is our is our motto. So that's uh, the Moore's law. As maybe you heard about that, but yeah. it's kind of duplicating this the the amount of transistors in the same place every eighteen months. So that's why we reach this amount of transistors right now. No, the size of a nail. We can we can put this amount of transistor. Today. So you started off with calculators. When when did you guys get into making chips for like actual computers? I would say 1981 was the moment that we went into the PC with the 8086, and uh, that was a breaking point. No, I would say that we started uh, building microprocessors and being a memory company into a microprocessor company in in in, in uh, 50 years ago. I would say that the big thing was when we we started the PC in, with the 8086, and then the 286, 386. And, and 486, Pentium, blah, 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 and we reach the cores that we have today. Just to step back a second, why was the 4004 chip so revolutionary at the time? Because at that time, to build all the functions that you need for a calculator, you need to have discrete chips, you know, like a 16 different chips to do the calculate. And in order to program that was very difficult. So the, the guys that were working on that project said, okay, what if we put everything together in one piece of silicon and we are able to program it in order to do different functions for the calculator. And that became the first microprocessor that can be programmable. So that's a big thing, is getting 16 different chips that were isolated all together in one and, and having the, the, the same process to actually mass produce the, the, the chip. And that was a kind of the revolution of this. What's interesting, you know, over this 50 years, I mean, everyone kind of knew you as processors, but what other businesses are you guys in now? It's not just processing. After 50 years, we can say that we are not anymore the, the PC company and then focus on only uh, computers or, or laptops. Or We are in the data center. We are in the Internet of Things. We we know that the uh, everything, every, everything that you have in your house and in homes and work is going to be more and more like a computer. So this is what we call the edge computing is going to be pervasive in the three next year so everything's going to be like a, a computer we have ai uh, uh, across all the the function from a computer to to the data center we, we have a 5g so that is something that is very computer intensive and then we have autonomous driving so when you look at this or or, or vehicles and then when you look at all of these things are you're going to see more and more uh, computers and, and things and data generated. So this is going to impact every, everyone's life, even if you don't have a computer. You're going to have a cell phone that is working with the cloud. You're going to have your processes in, the, in your company working in the cloud or in the edge. You're going to have things connected. So it, it, it's everywhere. So th going back to that, is that's why we have this, uh, this problem with the chips lately no? on, uh, on having these uh, shortages because everything has chips inside. Everything needs intelligence, and uh, that's kind of the the why we are here, no? Uh, Marcelo, you need to make the chips faster. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it takes it takes uh, for instance to bake a chip. It takes six months to actually from the start of the process that you put this wafer like a big uh, round things that you put inside the the company the the, the, the the manufacturing process takes six months to to make it uh, to cut a chip. To put it in the in the in the package and and, and take it to the end customer, so 
it's amazing. So you need to, to, to have a lot of forecasting and you need to think about what you're going to manufacture because you're going to take you six months to, to get things out. And it's not easy to also put all together. No. So right now we, we can say that Intel is providing all the processors that are needed for the for the demand that we have. But the problem is other other things that are going on. No. So for instance, uh, the, the the screen, the keyboard, the some passive uh, chips that you need in order to manage the power of the computer. So those are the things that are today are, are, are difficult to to get. Just because you touched on it, uh, I think everyone's aware of the the chip shortage, uh, so to speak. Uh, how long do you feel it's going to take to kind of get past that? Are we are we I looking months or years? No, I think it's going to be months. I think that uh, in terms of the CPUs or, or the, the the things that we are manufacturing, we are already okay. So we are providing all that is needed. Uh, what? Some of the, the other the other components are the ones that are going to take a little longer, but I think 22 is going to be still having some issues, but uh, we are from a, an industry perspective working with the whole ecosystem to actually go faster. So I think that uh, between 22, we are going to start catching up and, and, and getting there. I, I know that you asked me about the, what is new, and then we were talking about the Internet of Things and AI and all the things that we have. I can say that uh, we had the... Uh, uh, a couple of months ago, in October, we had the the launch of uh, Alder Lake. That is very revolutionary, and then we are using all the things that we are doing in order to have a, a mix um, a architecture that you have big cores and small cores. So that's going to help to drive uh, for the end users that, that actually are listening to this program. Is you're going to have computers that can run several processes at the same time, very efficiently, with less uh, battery uh, less battery consumption, so more battery life more effective when you need more power. So if you want a game, you're going to have better processors and big processors. If you want to do a streaming, you can use the small processors. So you have this combination that is awesome. And I think uh, all the lake in desktop is, is the thing that we have. And so wait for, for new awesome things coming in CES. Well, we're pretty excited to uh, check out uh, CES when it comes up uh, this year. Uh, it's interesting. You talked on battery life. I remember in the old days with, you know, when the laptops were first coming out in the 90s and that, you'd be lucky if you got an hour out of that battery or maybe two hours. But, you know, how long are we looking nowadays? Well, it's a full day yeah. of work without a problem and having uh, this type of uh, independence of being connected. So you can, you can run this type of uh, the whole day working. And, and and if you are looking, I don't know, watching videos or something like that, it's even even better. The, the battery life. So I'm going to get you to get out your crystal ball, Marcelo. Uh, what do you what what gets you excited in the next five ten years that you guys are working on that's going to blow us all away? Wow, this uh, this is a uh, uh, like if uh, okay. So let let me talk about the four things that are happening. And I, I talked in the touch about this, but this pervasive computing. So you have computers everywhere and everything likes is, is like a computer. Second, 5G, and maybe 6G coming into, into the future that is uh, it's gonna enable this machine-to-machine connection. So big thing coming. Then AI everywhere. So artificial intelligence is gonna be pervasive and edge computing is gonna be pervasive. So we are gonna have 75% of the computer power or, or it's gonna be outside the data centers. So outside of the big cloud, so it's close to the, where the, the, the things are, are happening. And I can give you an example, a, a car. In autonomous driving, you need 
to have the decision making is in the car. The car cannot wait to be connected to the data center. So no. you have the, the processing is inside the car. He's taking all the information from the, the, the radars that you have, the cameras that you have. He's going to be connected to the data center to get the maps, but also how the traffic is going with the other cars. So when you look at that, it's a data center on wheels. That's the perfect example of when, when you want to have an autonomous driving, how much power do you need in the car? And, and why, for instance, you have so many chips in the car and why today there are some lines of, of cars that are not, uh, they are, are not manufactured because they don't have the chips. That's it. Talking with our good friend, uh, Marcelo, uh, over at Intel, uh, all about the anniversary of the first uh, Intel chip, the 4004, 50 years old this year. Amazing. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you for the, all the audience. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We've got Stephen, uh, one of our Get Connected contributors and producers. We're talking uh, Boxing Day deals. Remember when Boxing Day used to be the day? Now Black Friday has kind of overtaken that, hasn't it? Yeah, but I can't remember the last time I actually lined up for anything. No, thank God. Do you remember, remember the old days, A&B Sound? Uh, if you're from out west, and especially in Vancouver, A&B Sound was the big record and electronic store. People would line out like the night before, like you know, hundreds and hundreds of people just to get the Boxing Day deals. I mean, they were the granddaddy of all Boxing Days. Yeah, because they only had one or two of the big deals. Yes. So you had to be there early to get that deal. Yeah. And then everything else is probably not that much on sale but anyway uh thank god now we can do that from the comfort of our homes you know hit amazon or best buy or staples what have you uh how do you how do you track your deals steven well i try not to be impulsive with my purchases because i've got a family to raise and i've seen your gear you are impulsive i am impulsive yeah. but i'm i'm strategically impulsive, impulsive. okay right because what I do is at the beginning of the year, uh, there's things that I need to replace. If there's things that uh, I need to upgrade, I will go to Honey, which is this uh, free app that you can download uh, and add. It's, to it's an extension that goes into Chrome, right? Yeah, you yeah. download it into Chrome as an extension. And what happens is that if you go to uh, sign up for an account and you go to a particular site, there's a link to that product at a retailer. Uh, what you can do is you can actually um, bookmark that link and track changes in the pricing. So if it goes on sale, like a flash sale, and it even works with Amazon, if it goes on a, a, like a huge 20% drop in price, and that's where you wanted, that's the amount you wanted to spend on it, that's what you budgeted for, you can go in, uh, they'll even send you an email just to alert you to let you know that that's happened if you're not in front of your computer, and you can buy it at that price. And what I've noticed several times is that there's a product that I'm looking for, uh, I may not have the cojones to actually buy it at that time, but I noticed it goes way back up in price the next day. So by having those apps in place, especially on Amazon Marketplace or other marketplaces, you can really get great deals without even waiting in line for anything. But so like you can set price alerts. So if you wanted uh, a monitor, for example, uh, at a certain price, you could set that, right? That's right. Uh, I can actually have an alert set up for me to alert me for no less than 20% because I'm not getting out of bed for less than 20%. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using that Honey plugin for years, and it's actually really easy to install. So if you're using the Chrome browser, um, you can download that Honey extension. Yeah. It's super easy. And what I love about it, I haven't even used it to the extent you do. It just, when I'm checking out like uh, you know at a, any site, it basically will then scan to see if there's any promo codes or coupons That's available. 
really awesome part of it is that once you get that 20% off and you put it in your cart, Honey will go ahead and look for all the available coupons for that particular product or for that site. See, I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. Right? Why waste your money anywhere else? I, I don't know why you wouldn't have that that extension it in there. The like it has saved me a lot of money. Oh, tons. Yeah. So what deals are you looking for? This year? Yeah. It might be a monitor. Uh, I heard that Huawei uh, GT, Mateview GT is looking pretty good. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you about that at the end of the show, actually. John, what about you? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, you're, like you're the deal meister. I don't know how you find these deals, but you you always get the best deals. Well, it's a combination of of using tools like Honey. It's using red flag deals. It's using um, Flip. Yeah. Just to sort of like if there's something I have in mind uh, to go to, just sort of hone in on it and just use all the tools at my disposal to find the best price for it. Because I hate paying retail. Yeah. And if I do pay retail, I'm only doing it because I need something immediately. But um, yeah, no, Black Friday was pretty good f- for me for this year. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything huge on my list. But it's one of those things though. I always find with with Boxing Day because you spent all your effort looking on Black Friday. Boxing Day is almost like a bonus round. Yeah, you'll find something <laughs> really interesting that you didn't know you wanted or needed, and it'll be a great price. So all I, all, all I would recommend is just take a look at the flyers for all these things. You can do that in flip.com or the app and just see what's out there because sometimes this is the end of the year too. This is when a lot of, um, a lot of stores will sort of discount stuff. Just, just to get rid of it. Just to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. I always, uh, I always find on Boxing Day, I always look for like hard drives and like uh, SD cards and, and, and USB sticks because I lose those things all the time and I, can never have too many hard drives. So I always find that there are typically smoking deals on those little types of memory and storage things out there. And just to make sure that you're not impulse buying something, if you're using Honey in conjunction with, with that price that you're looking at, you can see the historical price of that product over time. So if you're looking at Boxing Day and that pr- price has been going on for the last three sales that they had, yeah. then maybe you don't have to spend that money right away. You can wait. Because you know it'll come around again. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys use camel, camel, camel? Did you just make that up? <laughs> it sounds made up. No, it's not made up. Is that like duck, duck, go? Uh, no, no. Camel, camel, camel is like a, a, a price comparison website. Okay. So you can set price alerts like honey, and it'll let you know what the all-time low price was for that particular item on a particular site. So, um, and then you can also set price alerts. So if there is something you're looking for, it will send you an email or a notification saying, hey, that thing is on sale. Okay, we're going to have to take a break, guys. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Consumer Electronics Show. Should we stay or should we go? You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. We've got uh, one of our contributors, Stephen Fung, in studio with us. We're going to uh, chat uh, a little bit uh, about the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, the big nerd trade show that happens every year in uh, the first week of January. We are slated to go. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, a bunch of companies have already pulled out, including Twitter, Amazon, T-Mobile, uh, many uh, other broadcasters and news organizations like uh, CNET and The Verge, which are big tech uh, journalists. But we're still going. As of this moment, yes. Yeah, yes. So um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, they do continue with it. I think they will because there's just too much money involved. 
Yeah, I think we're past the point of a complete cancellation unless something spikes even more so with the variant and other things that are going on, which is the main reason I think why people would not go. Are you worried about going going down? No, I mean, I just got back from Palm Springs. Yeah. And... What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the, the thing is... How many times have you been tested in the past week? Three times. Three times. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... You're feeling good. I, I'm feeling well tested. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, when, and when we go down, uh, we will be tested at least four times. Once before going, twice while we're there, and then once coming back. And who knows if we have to do another one at the airport when we come back as well. Yeah, because I was, I was picked for a random test yeah. when we came back to Vancouver. And did that take long? No, it was no. only a few minutes. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't that bad. No. no. So you're not worried about going down. No, no. I mean, the the thing is, having just spent time in California, it's not that different than Vegas. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is going to CES when it's not as many people. Yeah. It, it's actually kind of appealing to go when it's not going to be as busy. It kind of reminds me, remember back to 9-11, the CES that happened that January? Mm-hmm. It It was deserted. It was so weird. Like people yeah. were afraid to fly or yeah. travel. But the, the thing is though, for at least for us, I think the, the big guys pulling out of CES is one thing. Yeah. We all get those press releases. We're going to get their From products. Sony and LG. Yeah. Yeah. All those companies, they're still going to be doing their thing, even if it's virtual. Um, it's all the little guys that don't have this huge PR machine behind them. Or like 10,000 square foot booths. Right. Yeah. And so those are the fun ones for us to find. These That's the innovative stuff. Right. The brand new stuff. There's a there's something called Eureka Park, which is basically, it's startup city. It's yeah. all these little tiny companies that you've never heard of with products that may or may not ever see the light of day. But that's where the fun stuff is. That's where the interesting stuff is. And that's where the things are that you're going to see the big guys maybe copy or acquire or just find a way to integrate it into their existing stuff. So I think if we do get to go and those places are still there, then I think it's going to be a very interesting time. And it's not going to be as busy. Which will be better. Right. Yeah. What are you looking forward to then, Stephen, going down? You've been, you're a veteran. You go down, you know. All the time. I've been I've been there a lot. I also uh, ran the uh, night before CES party for many many years. Yeah, the one that you didn't never went to, Mike. I don't think I was invited. Of course, you were invited. I don't know. You had an open invitation. Th- wow. Well, okay. But anyway, uh, you know, I think John's right. It's an opportunity for us to take care of those smaller brands and innovators that don't get to see the light of day because we're too busy at a Samsung press conference stuck at the taxi line at LVCC and we just can't get to them, right? I think there's going to be a lot more mobility mainly because we aren't fighting everyone else for those cabs. I think because it's nicely spread out, we're going to have fewer people at one venue one day. If you're at the other, we'll just keep an eye on on that traffic flow and go where, where no one is, right? And who knows? Maybe if we weren't there checking out the smaller brands, that headless cap with the tail would have never seen the light of day. That thing keeps showing up at every tech show that I've been at in the it past does. three years. So essentially this, uh, it's about the size of a Roomba, you know, like around. It's, yes. a, it's a pillow with a tail. It's That's a pillow right. with a tail that vibrates. Yes. Yes. It sounds weird. And it, it truly, truly is. But it always has a ton of people around oh, gosh, yes. the table that it's at. 
Yeah. Everyone wants it, but do they, do they, I think if everyone wanted it, I think we would see it like at Walmart and, and everywhere. I try to buy it. Maybe in Japan, maybe this is a Japanese thing. Well, you see the ostrich pillow with, you know, you you lie down on your desk and you put your hands in. Oh yeah. Those things they sell. (laughs) Yeah. Not the fake cat. So, uh, so any tech that you, you like the innovative stuff. I know you're like a computer PC build guy as well. Yeah, like I, I like to see the finished products because at the the show that runs the in June, Computex is usually where all of these concepts kind of get. Here's something we want to throw at the wall. If you we want to build this computer case with this thing that does this thing. Okay, well let's see if it comes out at CES. Sure enough, it becomes a product at CES, and now we can see the fruits of that labor, right? Something that we're really interested in, maybe a new motherboard concept, graphics card, peripherals. You see that all at, uh, at CES in a completed form ready for North American market because we're a little bit more picky. They usually go for the products that are more viable, right? So I like seeing a lot of those finished products. I also like seeing, um, you know, like new things that are kind of more futuristic, but they're more for this market. Like when, when you look at an Intel booth and you look at Mobileye, Last year, we, uh, not yet, last year, but two years ago when we went, we saw autonomous driving. And now that company is going to be spun off and it's going to go public. Yeah. It's the company that I think all the other car companies outside of Tesla are using for their autonomous mm-hmm. driving, essentially. But that's the thing for me with CS. Like, I love all seeing the latest TVs and smart home technology. But what's really grabbed me over the past few years is all the car companies are there. Yeah. And they've got some pretty crazy stuff that they they show off typically. You know, everyone from GM to Ford to Mercedes, but also all the um, companies outside that, especially as we get into more electric vehicles, all the charging stations and and what have you. Like the one two years ago, they had a charger that would charge your car, but would also be a reverse charger. So if you had a power outage in your home, it would use the battery from your car to power your house for days. Yeah, that was an interesting company. It had two products on there. Um, V2G is which is what it's called, uh, is, is, is very interesting technology. I don't know if it's going to take off, but you know they're quite expensive too, though. I think the one that we were looking at was like three grand. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Like for some places that have maybe a lot of storms and power outages, that might be, you know, $3,000 might not be a lot of money to spend for something like that. Especially if you lose all your groceries. Well, and a lot of people spend probably close to that for a generator. Yes. So, so now your car is your generator. Right. Yeah. And hopefully your car doesn't run out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the trick. Well, uh, we'll uh, be keeping listeners uh, up to date on whether CS is happening uh, or not. We're hoping it kind of does still. Uh, and we're hoping, hoping that the virus doesn't keep <laughs> ballooning like it is right now, the cases. We're going to have to take another break when we come back. More Tech to Talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. John, I think I've come across one of my favorite things this year now. Uh, just got a hold of uh, that new Huawei MateView GT monitor. It is amazing. It's it's a curve monitor. I never thought I would be into the curve monitor, but I am I am sold now. It's 34 inches. It's huge. And what I love is everything's integrated into it. And what I mean by that is they've got two far-field microphones in the top. So they're noise cancellating as well. And it's got a beautiful sound bar built into the base. So now I can get rid of all the extra cables and crap on my desk. I don't have to have speakers. I don't have to have extra microphones. I don't have to have the headset if I don't want to. I bet your wife likes that because your office is sort of set up in your kitchen. Yes. So, okay. So sometimes I have to wear the headset, but you know, a lot of times she's in her office doing stuff. So I just, I hate wearing the headset. I'm tired of it. I'm like going crazy wearing that damn headset all the time. 
And so now I've got everything built into the monitor and it, it's a 3K monitor as well. It is like beautiful. And so we did it on global TV uh, this past week. If you want to check out that video segment on getconnectedmedia.com, you can see what it's uh, all about. But the price is amazing, $749, which is not bad. And considering it's got all these additional specs, like it's got, what did Dr. Evil say? One billion tellers? Yeah, so <laughs> for gaming, it just blows everything out of the water. Like if you're doing any first-person shooters or strategy games, the colors and the contrast ratio on this thing, it's like 4,000 to one. It's amazing. But just even for, um, if you're a creator, if you're doing video editing or graphics, uh, the accuracy is fantastic. You know, And if you are one of these creators, if you're doing any type of graphics or, or print or anything like that, color accuracy is, is super important when you're, when you're doing your stuff. It's actually over-tested because the industry usually scans uh, 32 color cards, color swatches to make sure that it's accurate. While we went ahead and went 46 color swatches. So this thing is absolutely amazing for color accuracy. Plus, you don't even have to be a creator to enjoy this monitor. If you're actually approving that content, if yeah. you're actually looking at it and saying, I'm the final say, if you look at it through this monitor, you're gonna get the best possible experience for it. So you don't actually have to create, you can actually just view and be happy. I love it too, because I kind of cheat. So I've got like my spreadsheet on one corner of this thing, and then I've got like a game in a window in another. Age of Empires? Yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> That game, I know, it's like over like 12 years old, but they keep updating it. It's like got the high def version now and they keep adding new downloadable content. I just I just love it. And and now like in 3K, it's amazing. And the refresh rate on this thing is crazy. It's 165 hertz. Up to 165 depending on your equipment. So um, that's yeah. amazing. Like, uh, well, compare that to a regular monitor. What are they, 60 hertz? 60 hertz, yeah. right? You and know, it's a, you, it's a difference. It's a big difference. Less blur, yeah. um, easier on the eyes because it's yeah. also got the blue light reduction yeah. and also the um, the blur-free, flicker-free. Don't forget to also enter our contest, giving away some Philips Hue Smart Lighting, three prize packs worth over $1,000. Mm-hmm. And so all you need to do to enter is go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and all the details are there. Also, you can find out about our sister show, The App Show, that uh, airs across the Course Radio Network as well every Sunday and Saturday nights in Toronto. I want to thank everyone who helps put the show together, including John, Stephen, and Christina. We'll see you again next time.